just as I am. Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And Welcome back. On the past couple of episodes, we've been talking about how the solution to evil lies beyond the physical realm, that while we can find some ways to solve evil here on earth, ultimately we have to search beyond the physical realm in order to find ways to straighten this whole mess out. One of the solutions the Bible teaches us is that God will one day judge how we have lived our lives, that he will evaluate our actions, our choices, and will determine whether or not they have been righteous or unrighteous. And that expectation of a final judgment, that one day we will be evaluated, our lives will be evaluated, that expectation helps solve the problem of evil to a certain extent. Because not only does it hold us accountable for our own choices, but it also helps us to see that when injustice happens around us, when things are unfair, when it seems that there are folks who get away with terrible crimes, terrible atrocities, we can take solace in the fact that God will one day hold those people accountable just as he holds us accountable. So that that idea of ultimate accountability before God helps us to solve the problem of evil. As we talked about on the last episode, it also helps us to know that there is a malevolent force at work behind the scenes in this world. We see that malevolent force at work in the story of Job. Job lost his wealth, his family, and his health in a very short period of time, and we learn why. We learn that there was a being working behind the scenes, working against Job, who inflicted all of these terrible things upon this righteous man. We also see that malevolent force at work in brutal dictatorships, in terrible atrocities like political and religious genocides. And we see him being responsible for all sorts of suffering and pain in the world. The Bible calls this malevolent force Satan. Satan is an accuser or a false accuser. He is also an angel or a spirit. He's, a, he's likely a fallen archangel, and he's an angel who has a lot of power. But even though he's powerful, even though the Bible teaches us to respect Satan, the Bible also tells us that Satan is not equal with God. He is a created being. That, like all angels, he has a beginning. But God has no beginning and no end. He is eternal. Therefore, Satan and God are not on the same footing. So, if we stand with God, if we stand on God's side, we can have victory over Satan. I'd like to talk for a little bit more on this episode about Satan as our enemy and to think about the various ways he opposes us. As I mentioned on the last episode, Satan is an accuser. He accuses us of wrongdoing before God. And he not only accuses us of wrongdoing, he also accuses God of wrongdoing. 
In the story of Job, in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, Satan is in the presence of God. He has an audience before the Father. The Father has invited Job to look at all of creation and to consider his servant Job. Job, who is a man without peer, who is blameless, who's a righteous man. And Satan says, well, of course he's blameless because you've protected him. You've put a hedge around him. And if you remove that protection, God, Job will curse you just like any other man. So Satan is accusing God of showing favoritism toward Job. And he also accuses Job of deep down being an unrighteous person just like the rest. And what's interesting about the the rest of the narrative in the book is that Satan's accusation or his implied accusation against Job is taken up by Job's friends. Job's friends say, you know, deep down, Job, you're really a bad guy. That's why all these terrible things have happened to you. It's karma. And that's essentially the accusation that Satan is making against Job, that he's not really righteous. Deep down, he's just like everybody else. He's not exceptional in any way. You take the barriers away, and Job will curse God just like any other person would. So this is the the role that Satan has played. This is one of the reasons why he is our enemy. And another thing we learn from the book of Revelation, chapter 12, that we talked about some last week, is that when Satan is cast out, we are given the, the ways we can defeat him. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, after Satan, the accuser, is cast out, we're told that we can overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and by not loving our lives to the death. The blood of the Lamb obviously refers to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, so we, we have victory over Satan through the cross of Jesus Christ, but we also can gain victory over him by the word of our testimony, by holding true to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and by professing it, confessing it, living it out in our lives. And we also can conquer Satan by not loving our lives to the death. In other words, I'm willing to die for what I believe, that that my belief in Jesus Christ is worth me sacrificing my life. And it's in these ways that we can overcome our accuser. Satan is not only an accuser, he is also a tempter. Of course, this is the first role we see him playing with Eve in the garden. He entices Eve by promising her, you're not going to die. When you take a bite of that fruit, you're going to become like God. This is Satan playing out the role of tempter with Eve. It's important to note that temptation is not sin. These are not one and the same. Temptation simply means I'm enticed to do what I want to do. That's how James defines it in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And what James teaches us is that temptation can lead to sin, but temptation in and of itself is not sin. Now, Adam and Eve sinned upon being tempted by Satan. But they're held responsible for their choice. That's why I believe uh, very strongly that, that sin entered the world because of Adam and Eve's choice. That's taught by the Bible, and I think that that just makes sense when you consider the plan of God and how it has played out among us. But Satan was involved in tempting Adam and Eve, and they're not the only people that Satan tempted. He tempted Job. When Job was struck from head to foot with boils, his wife looked at him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? 
Well, that's the very thing Satan predicted Job would do if God removed the, the hedge that was around him. So Satan is, is speaking, I think, in the voice of Job's wife. Not that she's being possessed by Satan, but rather she's saying the very thing that Satan intends to do, which is to cause Job to curse God and die. Peter, the apostle, was also tempted by Satan on the night of Jesus' betrayal. Jesus tells Peter in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, that Satan had asked for him that he, so he could sift him like wheat. Satan wanted to test Peter. He wanted to tempt Peter, and we see Peter giving in to those temptations and denying Jesus three times. And of course, the most famous uh, instance when Satan tempted someone directly was with Jesus himself, and that's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, the first 10 or so verses of both of those chapters. What we learn, though, from the Bible is that God provides a way of escape. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, we learn that there's no temptation that is unique. Someone else is being tempted in the same way we are. No temptation is beyond our capabilities to resist. We can resist temptation. And we also learn in that verse that no temptation is escapable. So when we serve Jesus Christ, when we are a Christian, we have the way of escape. And if you think back, how do we defeat our accuser? We defeat him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, by not loving our lives to the death. So God has provided a way to resist temptation, a way to escape from Satan. One final thing to say about Satan, our enemy, and that is he is a deceiver. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus calls Satan a murderer and a liar, and he calls him the father of lies. And I believe Jesus is tying this back to how Satan conducted himself in the garden with Adam and Eve, because he lied to them in his temptation and then he was a participant in their death. What was the consequence for eating the fruit? In the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So Satan was a murderer and a liar. And deceit is the way that, that Satan often tempts us. He presents sin as fulfilling, as pleasurable, as satisfactory. And sin in and of itself is deceitful. What did Eve see when she looked at that fruit? Well, she saw a whole bunch of things that didn't happen because her experience after taking that bite was very different than what she saw. The temptation deceived her. In James chapter 1, verse 16, after J James warns us about the process of temptation leading to sin, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. These are deceitful lusts. They promise to be fulfilling. They promise to be satisfactory. But in the end, we just want more and more and more. So sin is deceitful, and Satan uses that deceitfulness in order to tempt us. But Satan is deceitful in more than just that way. He's also behind all the false teaching we see in the world. Jesus warns us about false prophets who will come to us uh, dressed as sheep, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So they appear to be like us. They appear to be righteous. They appear to be lovers and teachers of the truth, but inwardly they, they're out for our destruction. This is how Satan operates. Satan presents himself as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. And 
when he presents himself as an angel of light, he's presenting himself under false pretenses. And Paul says there's false apostles and false teachers circulating among the churches. And they, they change their appearance. They look like they're true. They look like they're righteous because they are serving a being who can also change his appearance from darkness into light. As Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So Satan and his ministers are behind the false teachings circulating in the churches. But take heart, brethren. Even though Satan is working against the church, even though he intends to mislead people, we can have victory over him. After John warns the early church about the false teachers and false teaching that was circulating among them, he says in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When we stand on God's side, when we stand on the side of the Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit dwells in us. And even though we are confronted with the various forces of Satan that are at work in the world, we can take heart that he who dwells in us is greater than the one who is at work in the world. God is greater than Satan and his ministers. So we can face evil and overcome. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will. Oh,